Some people seem to move almost effortlessly from planning into action, but appearances can be deceiving. It all comes down to having a process that works for you. I'm your host, M. David Green. Hack the Process is a show about looking at the systems and processes that we build our lives around to support mindful, meaningful progress. This show explores ways that people get past that pivot point, from having a fantasy to putting something real out there into the world. If you're ready to stop planning and fantasizing and start taking action, let's hack the process together. I caught up with international singer, actor, and vocal empowerment coach Mike Massey in Paris while he was there starring in a musical. But Mike and I originally met through Insight Timer, a mindfulness app we both use, where I learned about his Voice Matters workshops and his theories about the healing power of the human voice. In this episode of Hack the Process, Mike will tell us about the lessons he learned from working closely with vocal coaches and teachers, how mindfulness has helped him with stage fright, and why setting deadlines helped him overcome his perfectionism and find the charm in imperfection. So today I met up with Mike Massey in Paris, and Mike is a singer and an actor, and he leads workshops and empowerment through vocal production. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's really great to meet you, and so nice that you were able to make time for me here while you're in the middle of getting ready for a show tonight, right? Yeah, it's my pleasure, actually. It's a nice coincidence that you are in Paris, too, so why not? Exactly. I don't normally do these interviews face-to-face, so this should be an interesting thing for people who are listening as well. I hope so. Yeah. So I believe we met through a mindfulness app. You're one of those people who has a mindfulness practice, and I'm always curious how you got into mindfulness in the first place. Well, two years ago, I was actually seeking for ways to live a healthier life, surround myself by positive energy. And actually, I've met a book of Louise Hay, and I got to introduce to the art of positive thinking, if I may say. And then slowly, little by little, uh, from a YouTube video to another, I discovered what is mindfulness and why, what is meditation. And then I discovered the app through one of my friends. And then I started meditating more and more. I started with very simple ones and then more free. I don't like to put a label on the meditations I do because I really take my time to enjoy and surround myself by positivity. But what I can say is whatever makes me feel good is healthy for me. That's wonderful. How long have you been doing your mindfulness practice? About three years now, I think. That's nice. What does it look like these days? What What is your practice like? It's about twice a day in the morning, that's for sure, and before I sleep. Mm -hmm. These are the times. And actually, before going on stage or before any performance I have, I also meditate a little bit, at least 10 minutes. It keeps me grounded. In the morning when I do it, it keeps me really super grounded for the whole day to, to switch my to positive thinking. And when before any performance, it, it actually grounds me and uh, releases the fear. And at night before sleeping, I also, I'd better do it all the time because it actually affects the quality of my sleep. That makes sense. And you mentioned the fear from performance. I know that a lot of performers deal with the fear as yeah. soon as they're about to go on. Is this something that's been with you all over all of your performance life? Yes, I don't have it as a paralyzing uh, issue. It's, it's still okay and I can really go with the flow with whatever performance I have, but sometimes it's a bit harder. And I think it's also related to insecurities and also to perfectionism. It's not really super crazy 
when it, it comes to fear for me, but I always have, we, in French, we call it the trac, le trac. It's a stage fear. So I think it's quite normal to have it. But before going on stage, I, I always look to ways to help me being grounded on stage because I think it affects the performance very directly. I discovered that meditation actually grounds me and I can perform better because I can use my energy actually at the right moment and at the right place. One of the things I know about your career is you've turned your vocal production work into a form of grounding, and you've actually been teaching people how to use vocal production as a way to ground and empower themselves, right? That's right. I'm actually a singer and, and an actor, and my own journey with voice started like about 16 years ago when I had some technical issues and, and that I have to, had to overcome. And then I had to use all the ways, all the things I have learned in my life, technically and also by experience. And actually, I tried to merge because it started with one-on-one sessions for singers. And then I switched to, to because I discovered that it's actually, it has a healing power. So I started also to give one-on-one sessions for other people, like in media and actors, etc. And for people who also are just seeking for one self-discovery. And slowly, little by little, these also sessions became workshops that we are leading through Voice Matters workshop since three years uh, so far. That's amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about how you realized the healing power? What did you notice that was healing about voice? Actually, all the vibrations that go through the body have a healing effect on the body itself. It's physical and it's also more psychological. It's, it goes both ways. And actually, it's not by chance that all singers feel good when they sing because it really gives a big effect on the body and the soul in the same time. And there are a lot of scientific researches that demonstrate that a lot of illnesses can be cured actually through these vibrations. So the voice is an instrument that is related to the to the soul as well as it is extremely physical because at the end of the day they are muscles. I think if if there is any any chance people can connect to their body and their soul at the same time, it is through voice. What better example can can it be? That's why I tried, I continued my research and read a lot about voice and uh, its relationship with the body and the movement and the healing effect. And people can notice when they start these workshops, the healing effect on them because they actually express themselves uh, better and they actually express things that they were hiding inside of them Mm -hmm. for for so long. So it helps actually get the emotions out of your body and your soul at the same time and you express it through your voice and through your body because I relate always the sound and the movement. I could see that. So you put movement in as well with your workshops. Yes, yes, because I believe the the voice, every sound has a movement and every movement has a sound. And actually, I work a lot with voice and gravity. So they have to really feel the gravity of the earth and work with their bodies and the gravity of their bodies so they can also discover and connect better with, with their voice, with their inner voice. Have you had success stories with people who've worked with you? Yes, a lot. And actually, you see the same people going back to the same workshops. There there are some people, they came to eight or nine or 11 workshops, and they're still learning. Uh, even if we do the same exercise, you always find more things to discover and understand about the, the exercise itself. So it's not enough to come to one workshop. It's a journey that you start, and once you are passionate about it, you never stop. 
you normally do these workshops, I believe, in Lebanon, right? Well, we started the workshops in Lebanon, but we extended to other countries like Belgium, like Egypt, the Netherlands, and hopefully now we're going to go to France as well. And uh, other, other countries, we are open to all opportunities. For the meantime, I just put it on hold because I was engaged in, a mu- in playing the leading role in a musical in Paris. So I had to stop it for a while. But once I'm back, starting February, we're going to also start again creating these workshops and inviting people to join us. That's amazing. Now, So you've got this acting career, and I believe you also have a singing career as well. Yes. I've been actually collaborating with a lot of artists and musicians all over the world. And actually, I'm a composer too. I write my own songs Mm -hmm. and I sing them. So I produced already more than eight albums so far. That's amazing. And clearly the vocal production and the singing ties right into the into the healing work that you're doing as well. When I started studying, I studied uh, classical singing. My teacher told me that I don't have a voice and that I have to <laughs> stop singing. And then I was passionate about it and I felt there's something inside of me telling me that he he's not right about it. That's something that's something that is not true. And I was I was very perseverant and stayed focused and tried to switch to Arabic opera and and found another teacher that was encouraging me and actually continued 10 years at the conservatory. And since 2003, I released my first album. And actually, it was completely different from all other artists in the Middle East within the style or the quality of the music or anything. I worked mostly in acoustic music while the, the trend was actually electronic music mostly because I think there was a lack of this kind of music that is very intimate. I succeeded in a, in a way to catch the attention of people. And little by little, of course, it had been now since 2003, I'm working so hard and I'm still not maybe satisfied 100% about what I did or achieved because I'm a perfectionist, as I already said. But I have gratitude about everything I have I have received as blessings so far. And I'm, I try to enjoy what I already have and try to enjoy the new creations and the, the new things that I am going to create all along the road. That makes sense. So your, your music appeals to a certain type of person. I think you call them the Massiholics, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't call anyone anything. It, actually, they created a group called Massiholics, and they're, they're so funny. I love, I love them, actually. They're very generous, and they are very encouraging, and uh, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the character of the, the type of people that you're trying to reach out to with your music? I thought as, a, as music always as a, a way to express myself. I always do what I need to do and, and what I love to do and I, what, I, what I feel is important in my life at this, at, at this moment. I did many styles. I went through uh, spiritual music, went to Sufi jazz, went to French chanson, went to Arabic baroque music. I, I did Moshe Andalusian music. I did a lot of styles and actually I didn't really think about how how I'm going to be targeting the audience and I have to respect what they liked about me at the, at the first time. No, I actually just create and do the things I need to do as an artist. And I think people will pick it up or not. They will like it or not. It's their right. I can see that. And it's amazing to hear that early in your training, you had a teacher who thought you didn't have a talent because when you hear your voice, it's very clear that you're very practiced and you, you have a beautiful resonance to what you sing. 
Thank you so much. Yes, I think I always said that talent is maybe 10% of what you achieve and the rest is just work, work and perseverance. It's a hard thing to teach and it's a very hard thing to learn. How did you learn that to begin with? I started taking singing lessons since 17 years old. But actually, I always used to have this passion about voice and about sound. And since I was a child, I used to play with my voice. It, it was my game, actually. This was my preferable toy, if I may say. And I used to always sing and record on a cassette. If you remember, there was a cassette. I used to record my voice on a cassette and try to imitate a lot of singers or speakers or sometimes people from TV. I always had this passion and I used actually I used to play with all the big balls in the in the kitchen because actually it it gives it gave it used to give some reverb to my voice and I liked it. I also tried many things like to how to, how to create a vibrato because I didn't have any natural vibrato. I I I I was actually singing in front of the ventilator to create some you know disconnected vibrations to yes. make it as a vibrato sound as a vibrato. So this this was my actually I would like to say that that was the beginning, not really the le- singing lessons. But of course, singing lessons gives you grounds you more and gives you the real technique. And I never, never, because I, I hear a lot of artists saying that it's not important to take singing lessons. As for my part, when it comes to me, I think that it is something that gave me a lot of self-confidence. I used to love these sessions with my teacher because she was very generous. And still now, even if, I, if I'm, I went through other coaches in my life, and I st- I'm a professional and now I coach other people, but I still have my own coach as well, because I always need someone to listen to me and to correct me and to help me through my insecurities. Is, is that just a singing coach or is that also like a life coach? For, no, I don't have a life coach. Although I, I believe in this, I think it's very important for other people. I still didn't try it. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm talking about a voice coach. And you can get a lot of the discipline for learning how to sing from that training Yes, as well. and the voice coach, I, I need to tell you that the voice coach is not only a technical tutor, he is also, he, he has to be like a, a psychotherapist because it's very important to reassure the person that you are coaching and to help him find his own voice and his own, his own way because for for everyone its own way we cannot have some one technique for everyone that's that's bullshit you have really to understand and lead the other person to discover his own technique that makes sense it sounds like you've found some very good coaches in your life though i have a good feeling because when i start the first lesson and it doesn't go well i have now now i have the feel, now i have the intuition to say no because i learned to say no because I think also meditation helped me a lot uh, in, in picking up the good energy and leaving the bad energy aside. I used to actually pick the negative vibe and work with it and try to correct other people. Now it's completely different. When I started meditation, I actually pick the energy. If I see that the energy is negative and not convenient to me, I just let it go. And if it's a good energy, I stick to it. It takes a lot of maturity to recognize that somebody can have bad energy and it's not your responsibility to fix them. It takes a lot of experience, I would say, and the experience brings a lot of maturity. That's what I would say. So I would love to ask you about your perfectionism because I know a lot of people out there suffer from perfectionism and Mm. it stops them from ever putting anything out into the world. 
but you have been putting out albums and putting out songs and putting out performances and workshops despite your perfectionism. I'm wondering how you work with that. I am a perfectionist because when, whenever you ask any of my colleagues uh, or friends, they would tell you that this is my uh, disadvantage, that I'm a perfectionist. And it actually makes me suffer because I have to work over and over again the same thing many times. But actually, I have something in me that is very positive, that I'm, I'm an active person. I'm very active. And I need to create, I need to get things done that is what helped me actually overcome my perfectionism. And with experience, I learned how to control my perfectionism and say to myself, okay, this is the maximum I could do so far on this project. It has to be released right now. So that's why it is very important to put a deadline for every project. Mm-hmm. So actually you get you embrace the imperfectionism of each project and it, you, you transform it into a charming aspect. I love that, the charm of imperfection. Yes. And it sounds like deadlines are an important part of your process. I learned how to deal with deadlines because uh, actually if you don't, an artist needs to take his own tempo, his own rhythm all the time. And he, an artist needs also a lot of uh, creation and recreation of the same thing. Since I am the producer of my own self and actually I'm surrounded with other people now that are helping me produce in a way where, where they can say, okay, Mike, that's it. That's it. You, don't, you cannot do it again. That's it. That's the maximum you could do so far. And that's why I, I always give an advice for other people. Set a limit. Set a, a deadline for every project. It is very important so that you get satisfied with what you, what you have done and learn how to like it. I love that. I love that. And it sounds like a big part of that is also working with a network of people and not working completely alone. That was another process in my life because I used to think that I can do it all by myself. And actually now I'm learning how to uh, delegate other work for other people, uh, of course, people that I trust. But it is very important because group work is much more efficient and and nicer. And actually you share your success with other people and it's nicer. It feels good. It's something that not a lot of people give themselves an opportunity to learn because it's so much easier to just say, I'm going to do it by myself and not even look for those other people to trust. It's not easier. It's just a lack of trust. And when you start to trust yourself, I think, and to get rid of all your insecurities, at that moment, you can start actually liking other, liking to delegate your work to others and to share your experiences with others and trust other people. I think maybe working with a coach also helps you learn that. Yes, of course, of course. Working with any kind of intimate research within yourself, being with a psychotherapist, being with a vocal coach, or etc., maybe also just a sports coach, could help actually to overcome your insecurities and thus trust yourself and trust others. But it can be very difficult to find that network of people you can trust to start with. I think we attract what we want. Because if you always are focused on negativity, you will attract negative people. If you always focus on positivity, you will eventually attract positive things and positive people and surround yourself by positive people. That's a very good message. And you've been doing a lot in terms of putting positivity out into the world, especially with those empowerment workshops you've been doing. I'm trying to do as much as possible and share with the world whatever I feel, whatever gave me actually saved me, saved my life. I try to 
to really share it with with others. One of the projects that I really will never forget is I worked with 110 uh, survivors, women survivors of violence. And we actually did the Voice Matters workshop and these women uh, needed really to express themselves. I saw the urge and the need for positivity and for, for the outcome that a voice can give you. These women were actually tamed all their lives. And when they were in this workshop, because they come from really taboos society, they actually tried to express themselves to the maximum and they felt safe in this environment. And that was really, really extremely beautiful to see, to, to feel this change between a day and another with these women. How did you find these women to work with? It's an organization called Abad means dimensions that actually invited me when they knew about this workshop the voice matters workshop they invited me to work with these women but of course with an assistance of a psychotherapist as well because it's very delicate to work with these women who are survivors of violence and they were raped most of them Mm, that's terrible it's great to give them an opportunity to express themselves around that and you say they're from a, a repressive society or, yes 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 they are it's very difficult i would love it if you could tell me a little bit about how your voice matters workshops are because are structured well it depends on the workshop because some workshops are meant to be more of a self-discovery journey some other workshops are just meant to the technical side and some are are actually in between the two so if it's just technical, we start always the first day by sharing experiences and telling each other why did we come to this workshop and what are our needs. And then we start relaxation. We, we work with voice and massage. There's a lot of meditation forms that I use actually through these workshops. And then we start technical things and the relationship between voice and movement and voice and body. And they can feel it. It's physical. We don't actually talk all the time. We, we experience through these exercises. And at the end, we also share through an exercise that I would call a soul portrait, where they express their voices all together and share their experiences. So the workshop is usually made of at least nine hours. The minimum is nine hours, three hours for, for three days, three consecutive days. This is a typical workshop, but sometimes we, we go through seminars, which means like two weeks of every day, three hours of stuff like that. Wow, that sounds very intense. Do you bring in other teachers? So far I've been leading these by myself, but there's an idea of bringing other people into it. And sometimes, yes, we did, we did sometimes, uh, actually I forgot, I invited yoga teachers as well to give yoga, because also we link Tai Chi and yoga to voice. So yes, we have now an, an idea of making a seminar, a long seminar, and to bring other people on, on board. I was wondering about that because now that you've created something and you've seen that it's had a positive impact on people, the next question I would I would ask is how you're going to extend this beyond your ability to be there face to face with a group of people and reach a broader audience. For the meantime, as I, as I was telling you, I'm just trusting the universe to, to make it happen the healthier way. I'm not focusing on making it bigger right now. I'm just focusing on grounding it the maximum. And I think step by step, we're going to grow and we're going to have people who are formed. I'm going to form other people so we can extend the workshops more and have a bigger institution.
that makes sense. The network that you're building around yourself of people who find out about this. I'm curious, how, how do you build that? How do you let people know what you're doing? Well, we work a lot through social media, the website, and some interviews like this one, for example. It's always the providence that brings these interviews or these social media. Mostly it's social media that is bringing audience. At the beginning, people came because of me, because they knew me as a singer. And then, then later on, this stopped Fortunately, fortunately, uh, happily enough, it stopped because I don't want people to come because of my name of Mike Massey. I want them to come because of the content of the workshop. And that was that is what is happening right now, because a lot of people come to my workshop. They don't even know who I am or they don't even know that I'm a singer, which is nicer for the workshop. It's nice. It's a different form of fame, but it's like the success is that the work itself is what's carrying the message. Yes, exactly. I always said whether it is in my singing career, acting career, or this workshop, what I like is the content to be focused on more than me. And when you talk about it, you say we instead of you. What is the group of people who are working on creating this? Well, I'm working with Celine Hetty right now on the workshop, workshop uh, since the beginning. And that's why I always say we, because it's a, it's a two people success, I would, uh, I would call it, because she also contributed a lot in the creation of this workshop and its concept. And maybe, maybe when I say we, it's because I want to attract also a group of it, of people working with us. And I think that's what's going to appeal to people as well. And the people who've worked with you over the years, I'm, I'm always curious when people have gotten out there and they've had some visibility. Have you had mentors in your career who've helped you along and who you've worked with? Yes, of course, a lot. Already my teachers, all my teachers are my mentors. I was, would always say uh, that. And the other, the other mentor is my spirituality. It's my mentor as well. And of course, there are a lot of people that I am friends with who are colleagues and are maybe much more famous people or much more experienced people that I consider my mentors as well. I could name one of them, for example, Mrs. Fadia Tombelhaj, who is a great singer, and I always take advice from her. I just went to talk to her before this interview. So there are a lot of people who I consider my mentors or my inspiration. And I'm someone who listens a lot not only talk, I listen a lot. I learned how to listen. And this is very important. It's a difficult thing to learn also. And for somebody who produces so much voice, to be able to take in, it's a switch of the mind. One of the things, because you reminded me, you reminded me now when you said that, one of the th things in the workshop, I actually give a lesson called listening. Not only talking or singing, it's also listening, because the voice goes both ways, listening and expressing. When you do these workshops, is it only about vocal production or is it also the production of sound with the movement and with the, the slapping of the hands and other, other sounds that the body can make? We accompany the voice with these sounds, if I may say, but mostly we focus on the voice and the movement that comes along with it or both the voice that comes along with the movement. It sounds like you, you came up with the syllabus for these workshops yourself. Yes, and with the help of Celine, of course, <laughs> we structure these workshops every now and then before we start the workshop. But also it is what is nice about the workshop is that it goes with the flow of the students, of the people who are coming. It actually varies from, uh, from a group to another. I cannot impose the same workshop on every group because it's all about the rhythm of the participants. It's amazing that you incorporate so many modalities from sound to movement and to touch as well, body work as well, massage. 
Yes, it's actually very important because uh, even if if I don't want to talk about uh, voice, just voice, maybe if I talk about singers, I can give you examples of all these singers. They they tell you know, they would tell you great singers will tell you that working out is important, walking is important, circulation, the blood circulation is important, massage is important. They invest a lot actually in themselves before singing, before performing. I'm curious how you keep yourself healthy through all of the things you're doing because you're keeping yourself very busy. You told me after today you're not going to have a minute free because you're going to be performing and working the rest of the week. Yeah, well, a lot of preparation, that's for sure. In the morning when I woke up, I did an, uh, an inhalation, we say, and then uh, I went to do a massage, a Thai massage, because it's very important for my circulation, my blood circulation. And then I had to meditate uh, when I wake up, or I woke up, of course. Sometimes I work out as well. So I try to, to and of course I did my warm-up before the performance. Now I did it in the morning, and then before performing I would do a small warm-up as well. It's always important to stabilize some of your practices, because it grounds you as well. Especially since you're traveling, you're you're living away from home, yes. and you're you have to find a routine that you can ground yourself. Exactly, in, exactly. Is your routine here very different from your routine at home? For the meantime, maybe it's just focused on that because I'm performing nearly every day. It's been very intense when I'm home, or when I'm in. A, it depends on the you know on the on what I'm doing because when I'm, for example, producing in studio, it's a completely different life than just performing on stage and doing all these things. Every moment has its own practices as well. For the meantime, since June till now, I'm performing every night nearly, so I have to really, really focus on how to be uh, more relaxed and healthy. And it can be very taxing on the body, I imagine. It is very, very, very difficult because I also have the leading role, so mostly I'm on stage all the time. I have to give the same energy every night. I cannot say to people, oh yeah, tonight I'm not really super, don't want to give the energy the same energy. No, I have to, res to be responsible and to give the same energy I'm giving every night. Actually, I would imagine with the, with the work you've done, with the way that you listen to people, that each performance also is unique based on the audience. That too, of course, it, it lifts you up. When, when there's a nice audience, it lifts you up. But of course, you have also to maintain a certain level, even if the audience is not really maybe super receiving. That's what is not a routine, because some people ask me, it's not a routine to go every night and to sing the same songs, to, to act the same act. And I would say no, because actually people are not the same in the, in the, in the room. That is what, what gives you the emotions, the different emotions and different feelings every night. I think that's one of the things people are surprised when they hear that, because they think performers just have to do exactly the same thing every and single time. Even if you sing the same th song, even if you, it's never the same, never ever the same. Did you always imagine that you were going to end up on stage performing? Yes. I always had, had this dream and I always knew that's what I wanted to do in my life and I attracted it and I even attracted to, to play musicals in France. I attracted it. I attracted this since I was a child and now my dream came true. That's wonderful and then I have to ask what's your next dream since you seem to make them come true? <laughs> uh, a lot. I, I'm dreaming of Broadway, I'm dreaming mm. of cinema, I'm dreaming of, I have a lot of dreams. And the nearest one will be my Arabic album that is coming in spring, I hope. Oh, really? Tell me about that. This time, it, I felt a little bit more light than usual. I'm going really through chansons. 
I'm using some electronic music this time. It's my first ever, so let's wait and see what, uh, what is hiding from me. I have two duos, uh, duetto, in this, uh, in this album, so let's wait and see. I could not tell you more than that. Okay, that's nice. And you're bringing along other singers as well. Yes, because I love that. I love sharing music. That's cool. The research that you're doing now into the work that other people are doing with mindfulness and with meditation, I'm curious who you read, who you follow. Well, as I already told you, I'm a beginner. I'm still a beginner in this field. Three years are not really enough to understand a lot. And I started, like, for a year, I was reading a lot of Louise Hay's books mm -hmm. because I needed this in my life, the positivity. And then I switched to other other people and people who don't actually believe in what Louise Hay says. But I'm still so far really amazed by Louise Hay because I think it's very simple. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. It doesn't need a lot of analyzing. It needs a na naivety of thinking and being simple and truthful. So far, I still didn't finish all the books of Louise Hay, and I am still happy about it. That's nice. I remember reading Louise Hay. It's been a few years. I'm trying to remember if she has anything specific about, about sound and voice in her work. I don't think so, so far. I read a book about tapping through uh -huh. uh, Louise Hayes. She didn't write it herself, but it was in her house. But I didn't find anything related to voice. So maybe I can contact her. You never know. <laughs> maybe. Have you heard of Sherry Huber? No. She's a Buddhist monk. She teaches a form of mindfulness that involves recording your own voice mm -hmm. and then listening to your own voice. That's very nice. As a practice. Mm. It sounds like it would resonate well with the type of work you're doing. I think so. Now you gave me this address, I'm going to go and search for her work. Yeah, I'll send you information about her work as well. Thank you. So the stage you're at in your career right now, you're taking yourself to Broadway, you're, you've created an amazing following for yourself. I'm curious how you plan to use this platform going forward. Well, I think that, as we say in French, toutes les routes mènent à Rome. All the ways lead to Rome. Mm -hmm. So I think whatever you build in your life, finally it will end up doing something that you would ne never expect. Because I never expected doing a workshop, for example. Mm -hmm. I've never expected that after all these years I'm going to come to to Paris to perform. I thought I would do it when I was younger than 35. And when I was 35 years old, I came and performed in France. So everything comes in its own time and way. As I said, I believe in providence and I believe in the universe will really do whatever is convenient to you and whatever is better for you. So I leave it to that. It sounds like spirituality plays an important role in your life as well. There is, yes. Spirituality is very important. I'm not a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. It's interesting because you're playing a very religious character in your play. <laughs> it's not a religious character. Religion came four decades after the death of Jesus, I mean, after his, his life. Because this, this play is actually not religious at all. It is a historical play. It plays the, three, the last three years of Jesus' life. Actually, religion came four decades after. That's interesting. I, I like that perspective on it. How did you get involved with this play in the first place? Actually, there's the casting director of The Voice in France who called me for The Voice and I was not feeling not feeling it. I didn't feel that I wanted to do The Voice, so I said no. And then he kept me into his contact. And when Pascal Obispo was searching for a Jesus to play the role, they couldn't find it in France. So uh, I occurred to his mind and he called me. He made uh, Pascal Obispo, the big composer here in France, uh, listen to my voice through a song called Nature Boy that I did uh, oriental version of it online mm -hmm. and he liked it very much he was intrigued and then they called me i came to a casting here singing and, and acting and uh, there there i am <laughs> it's wonderful you you don't know what the path is going to lead to yes 
exactly. But it opens up. This breaks you out into the European world, so you're getting into the side of things. Mm -hmm. And with Broadway down the road, are you going to be reaching out to the United States at some point? I don't know. I, I already had a show on Broadway in 2013. And now what I would like is not only is really to do a, a musical, maybe. We never know. I mean, I leave it up to the destiny. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's wonderful. So the people who are listening to this, I'm wondering, how would you recommend that they find you and get in touch with you? Well, through my website, www.mikemassey.com, or through Facebook, the official page of Mike Massey, Mike Massey with a Y, or Instagram or Twitter, Mike underscore Massey, or Mike Massey on Instagram. So you can always find me. Nowadays, you cannot skip from social media. So I think you are reachable everywhere. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you sitting down with me and meeting me here in Paris right before a performance to Thank discuss this, all of this. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure. It's my pleasure. And I really enjoyed this interview. And I hope I hope it wasn't too difficult for you to understand my accent or, or the, the words I couldn't find. And I hope the audience also enjoyed it. Your language is very clear and the message is very clear and it carries right through. Thank you so much. Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at Hack the Process, leave a review for the show on iTunes, and visit hacktheprocess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>